If you're a veteran or military spouse of an early stage startup or small business and feel like you're making it up as you go, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Transition, where we demystify the entrepreneur experience for veterans and military spouses who've already made or looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the voice of The Bunker. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Labs branding team. On today's episode of The Transition, I had an opportunity to interview Lindsay Hinger, founder of Gifting with Valor and Mill Soapbox, two businesses that specialize in sourcing curated gifts from veteran and military spouse-owned businesses. Lindsay's first business, Mill Soapbox, was a subscription box company that supplies consumers with a monthly gift box of curated gifts from the veteran and military spouse small business community. After three years, she sold the business to another military spouse entrepreneur and launched Gifting with Valor to help companies purchase curated gifts from the same community as Milso Box. Lindsay is a seasoned entrepreneur who's faced her fair shares of highs and lows. On the show, she opens up about her challenges dealing with her mental health issues, the complexity of running a subscription box business and relying on multiple vendors, and the various different ventures she's worked on before eventually settling on Milso Box and Gifting with Valor. I really enjoyed interviewing Lindsay because of her vulnerability regarding her mental health challenges and her relentless pursuit to become an entrepreneur. Before you hear from Lindsay and I, make sure you subscribe to the Transition Newsletter at the link in the show notes. I release a newsletter twice a week with actionable tips and advice that you can apply in your own venture. Substack, our newsletter platform, allows you to leave comments on the newsletter and podcast episodes. That way you can let me know what topics you'd like me to cover, either on the show or write about in upcoming newsletters. In addition, if you're interested in contributing to the newsletter with a post of your own, shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org. This episode of The Transition is brought to you by the MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. In addition, the foundation also provides mentorship and financial health resources to veterans and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show and that accelerates you on your own entrepreneurial journey. Good afternoon, Lindsay. What's going on? Oh, just, you know, hanging in there. <laughs> Good things and bad things. Are you in the entrepreneurial hustle like the rest of us? I am. Um, I was gone from this desk all day today, and I feel like I need to work an entire day to catch up. <laughs> um, I was out actually looking at a co-warehousing space um, that I'm hoping I will need soon. So that Trust was exciting. Me. Yeah, I've been in my podcast studio all day. And I, I know those days when you show up and you're like, you get there later and you're like, I'm going to be here a while because I got to get a lot to done. Yeah, I've been checking my emails the whole time and I'm just like, man, I can't wait to sit down so I can actually write a proper reply instead of just, you know, sorry about my grammar. I'm writing from my phone, um, you know, actually getting stuff done at my desk. It's a lot easier. <laughs> yep. So, Bunker, it's an honor and a privilege to have our guest today, Lindsay, here, who I had a chance to meet. I came across at another mastermind group, but also came across through Bunker Labs. And uh, when I find out all the amazing stuff she's done in the past with a Milso company, um, and then also with Gifting with Valor, I was like, we got to get you on the Bunker. Because I feel <laughs> like you bring a lot of knowledge and insight as a veteran entrepreneur that's been in the fight for a while. Thank you. I don't feel like it's been that long. It doesn't. 
I, I'm always worried that I don't know enough. And then I get into these kind of situations where I'm interviewed or I'm talking to somebody like a, I'm mentoring somebody and all of a sudden I know things and I'm surprised. So I guess I have been around a little while um, since 2016, I guess that's when the first actual business happened. But being an entrepreneur, I know we're going to get into it, but I've been wanting to be an entrepreneur for 10 years before that. So it's been a, a mindset that I've had for a long time now. So what I'd love you to do is just take a moment and uh, just briefly introduce yourself to our listeners. Okay. So my name is Lindsay Hanger. Um, I'm an Air Force veteran and I've never been a military spouse, but my first business was for military spouses. It was called Milso Box. It stood for Military Significant Other. I sold that in 2019 to a military spouse. And a year before I sold that, I started my second business, which is Gifting with Valor. And that's what I currently run today. And in that, I work with clients to create unique gift boxes or swag bags to create meaningful connections between them and their gift recipient. And the way we do that is by offering only products that are made by military spouse or veteran owned businesses. So we kind of keep it within the military community. I love that. And one of the things I'm going to be interested in picking your brain about is I remember right around 2016 is when I saw the kind of box model start to roll out. Subscription um, boxes. Subscription boxes. Mm -hmm. And so I think I'm interested in learning about that. And I'm sure our listeners are interested in it as well. And especially how the industry has changed, mm. you know, over the last, you know, five to six years. Right. Before we do that, though, you're in the bunker. So you got to take off your armor. Oh, so goodness. you got to let our listeners know what's something that um, you're struggling with either personally and professionally as an entrepreneur. So are we, are we looking for professional struggles or personal struggles or both? Or Whatever you feel like sharing. The whole concept behind taking off our armor is that on the in the age of social media, it looks like everyone's killing it all the time. Mm -hmm. Like we've somehow magically got it all figured out. Mm -hmm. But behind the scenes, you know, a lot of us are just kind of making up as we're going along. We're dealing with imposter syndrome. We're dealing with cash flow issues, you know. So the whole intent behind it is so our listeners know what it's really like, you know, and what we have to deal with as, you know, veteran entrepreneurs and military spouses. Right. So they don't feel alone. Um, yep. So I'm kind of notorious for being very open. And so I, I don't put out on Facebook all the cheery, wonderful things. I actually have a mental health Facebook page that I started a little while ago where I share mental health experiences because um, I'm bipolar. And that is something that leaves me very vulnerable, but I'm very open about it um, because it's having a mental illness and being an entrepreneur is pretty difficult at the same time, especially because as an entrepreneur, you're usually by yourself or at least you feel that way. And um, sometimes as a bipolar person or a person with bipolar disorder, you cannot define you. Um, it's hard to trust your own mind at some points. So it gets a little bit scary. Um, but the reason I started a Facebook page for it was so that other people could kind of see symptoms in themselves and get help and also know that they don't have to be scared of the stigma 
if at least one person is openly talking about it. And that's kind of my hope. I appreciate you taking time to share that for us, especially, you know, um, people that you may or may not meet in person. But what I found is that when people open up about stuff like this, it's very therapeutic for our listeners that are dealing with their own issues. And I've had people reach out to us and say, hey, you know, listening to your podcast has kind of helped me kind of deal with my own stuff. Mm-hmm. So I and I sometimes I don't even think I talk about anything. I just talk about, you know, entrepreneurship <laughs> and transitioning, whatever. Just life. <laughs> but it's really just life. But people really appreciate it, you know, yeah. because there are a lot of veterans out there and military spouses that once they leave service, you know, they don't have people they can be open and honest with. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the next best thing. So I appreciate you for for sharing that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know that in the military sphere, mental health is such a big issue and uh the stigma is ridiculous and it's something that everyone's fighting still but it's long from over what i love what you said though was about you know you said sometimes it can be hard to trust your own mind Mm -hmm. but you know for all of us right practicing (laughs) self-awareness whether you have you know whether you have a condition or not right i've just found it very powerful you know Mm -hmm. and this idea of being able to separate your thoughts from reality and like seeing them for what they are so kudos to you for at least being able to acknowledge that um, oh, for yourself. You. Yeah, I'm self-aware as I'll get out. I have to be. <laughs> so before we do a deep dive on your background as an entrepreneur, I got to go ahead and acknowledge uh, what brought us here today. And that's Bunker Labs, a national network of veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs dedicated to helping the military connect community start their own business. We're committed to seeing that every entrepreneur in the military connected community has the network tools and resources they need to start their own business. You can learn more by visiting our website at www.bunkerlabs.org. Now, Lindsay, how did you first get connected with Bunker Labs? So I actually found the uh, 2017 Bunker Labs muster on Eventbrite, I believe it was. And when I saw what Bunker Labs was, I was astonished and super excited. And I knew I had to go to the muster. Um, And it was a year and a half into being an entrepreneur with Milso Box. And I remember being at the muster in Cary, North Carolina, and wishing that I had known about Bunker Labs a year and a half prior before I had started my business, because I was learning so much that could have helped me a lot before I had even launched my business. I, I wish I'd known it probably a year before I launched my business, <laughs> really. Yeah, that was when I came across Bunker Labs was in 2017. And me and me and Lindsay were joking, y'all. It was an exciting time, right? There was like this energy. We're like, oh my God, all these entrepreneurs and you know, they got programming, people look at our business plan, or whatever. You talk to us now as entrepreneurs, they're like, oh man, how's it going? Hold up, pull out a cigarette. Got a minute, you know, because it's so different when for a lot of you all out there that may or may not have taken your leap yet. It looks like one thing on the outside. Right. And it's just energized and, you know, you're fired up. And then there's this whole other life of actually in the trenches, you know, running your venture in the day to day, managing the chaos. And it's, it's good. I'm just being funny. But there I just remember that excitement, that energy when I thought other people were going to save me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, oh, yo, I came, I found Bunker Labs. We're off to the races, baby. Better in residence. Oh, my God. Yeah, start printing money. You know, fast forward three years later. Here I am hustling. Yes. 
Always. And there are still really bad, uh, really bad days and really great days. I still get, so I don't get so excited anymore about opportunities, which kind of stinks. Um, back in those days, though, I remember I would get one call from one organization and I would tell my husband, life is about to change. It is on, you know, they want 200 boxes. This is it. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's bust. <laughs> new problems now that's what i'm gonna tell y'all this is a teachable moment y'all nobody is gonna save you i don't <laughs> care if whatever brand you think it is right you're still gonna have to work nobody's just giving you a million dollars and saying go forth and do great things even yes. if you raise venture capital it's gonna be a hustle so take our word for it i'm telling you i've been there you know got these big brands lined up with our brand and i was like oh my god we're going to the moon and here we are still pounding pavement <laughs> but I love I deep down, you know, I really love it. I'm I'm a I'm addicted to it. It is so it's fun. Lindsay, take us back. Talk to us about your transition from the military to becoming an entrepreneur. Okay, so I mentioned that I had mental health issues, that I have mental health issues. Well, before I was ever diagnosed with anything, I had um, undiagnosed depression while I was in the Air Force. So I kind of blamed the Air Force for feeling awful. I felt like I was just in the wrong place. And I did not need to be in Hawaii um, serving my time in the tropical climate and enjoying myself. Um, so I chose to leave early. And right before I did, we, my husband and I read uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I know so many people probably start off this conversation with that damn book, right? Yeah, You're smiling really big. Like, yeah, everybody says that book, right? Yeah. But it changed the way that I viewed money and making it work for you instead of working for it. And uh, just that mind, that mindset shift, it changed it changed the way I looked at everything, including working for the government. I knew I didn't want to work for anybody. And that included being the property of the government, essentially. So as soon as we read that book, we started looking into different investments. Um, the first thing we did was get into a pyramid scheme. That was real fun. Um, it only lasted. Started with an H, ended in life. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't that one. Um, I can't even remember what it is now, actually. It's, I think it's like the main one, but we, yeah, but we didn't know any better. So I think it lasted like a month and then we were out. But then, um, so 10 years went by and we had failed opportunities or missed opportunities or just opportunities we decided not to take. And I can go through those if you want. Sure, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So the two of us almost bought a bouncy house business. Uh, we actually got to the point where we had paperwork drawn up and then the seller backed out. He decided that he no longer wanted to sell. We almost partnered. Actually, I almost partnered with um, a man who was doing car movements. So he was in logistics. My background is in logistics. So I figured, you know, this is a good fit. Well, when we went to, <laughs> we did a bunch of due diligence. Um, 
looked through all the paperwork. The dude actually gave us like all of his paperwork, including credit card numbers from his clients, just everything, just handed it over to strangers. And that should have been my first clue that this is probably not a good idea. But when we came back to him, uh, we found out that he was about to get evicted from his apartment and he had been paying his rent with the business, which was failing, which we kind of knew going in. That's why, why we were helping. Um, so that ended very quickly. We did successfully flip a house with my sister and her husband. What else did we do? We almost bought a gas station or two or three. There were many, many ventures. I looked all the time on Craigslist to buy a company because I just didn't know what to start myself. I didn't have anything I was really passionate about. And that sure as hell was not logistics. Cause I, that, love the, I love the fact you weren't afraid to experiment though. And the reason I want you to share those stories is because, you know, what we see on like the cover of Forbes and all these other magazines, right? You know, we assume that these people hit a home run their first time out the gate, no. you know, but a lot of them, yeah. they might have not gone public with all the failures that they had before. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. this idea of failing forward and getting better just a little bit, you know, you start this venture, then you realize not for you, but you use the lessons learned from that to do the next one and do the next one. And so right. that's why I want you to share that. And I'm curious to know, like, you know, when you were starting out, how were you funding these ventures? Were you bootstrapping them? Did you go get a bank loan? I mean, what was the process? The bouncy house business, we, I remember doing a business plan. Somehow I did it so fast. It must've been horrible um, because, but we did get approved for a loan by the bank. So we were going to get a bank loan for the bouncy house business. The partnership, I was gonna, it was gonna be sweat equity. Um, and we did bring a little bit of money to, to buy in. Um, but he just really needed to bail out really. Um, what else we bootstrapped, we bootstrapped the, the flip and that was a foreclosure. So it was really a low cost. And, and then when I started Milso box, that was bootstrapped. I started that with Four thousand three hundred and fifty-three dollars. How much revenue were you able Wait, to get it? Up I'm to? sorry, four thousand one hundred and thirty-two dollars. I had it written down right here. <laughs> how much? Uh, how much revenue were you able to get it up to by the time you sold it? Oh, it was, it was not great. It was not great at all. Um, and the way that I sold it was, it, actually, people people thought it was a nonprofit and because it was such a feel good business. And sometimes people even mistake gifting with valor as a nonprofit too. But they would ask me that and I'd be like, well, almost because there's not much to it. But um, really the subscription box model needs really high volume. And I could never get it to the volume it needed to be to really be successful and to really support me as an entrepreneur. So I had to keep that part time the entire time I did it. Um, what I recognized was that I was unable to market it to the right people, which was military men. And so I ended up selling it under the pretense that the person who was going to buy it had to be interviewed by me and they had to pay me back 
over the next two years. So they didn't have to come to me with any money. They got to own the business and then pay me back over the next two years. So it was a really sweet deal for somebody who wanted to get their toes wet. Um, and, and it worked out really well, but I, I knew going into the sale that I could not show really good numbers. I just could show the potential. And so that, that really, you know, that changed things quite a bit. Well, let's start there. I know we kind of jumped into it, but mm -hmm. you did all these other ventures and then you decided to do the subscription box model. Mm -hmm. Can you explain to us kind of that business model in general? I know you just kind of mm -hmm. hinted at it a little bit, but sure. I'm real interested in, uh, you know, why we saw those pop up in 2016 and kind of where they're at today. And uh, we'd love to hear your story through Mill Spouse with you. Right. So I think the first really successful big one was Birchbox or was it Birchbox? Was it there called? was Birchbox. I remember there was a reading box one too. Yeah. And then Ipsy. Ipsy was really big. So those were great, especially the makeup ones. They were great because the way that they made their money was by collecting samples from these companies. So they would get all these samples for free and then they would box them up and sell to consumers for like $5, $10, basically just enough to pay for the packaging and shipping. They didn't have to pay for products, right? So um, I remember at one point, they actually got into a lot of trouble because they had to start paying for like full size products and they couldn't keep up with the, the business model couldn't support it. So they ended up having to do um, full size products online and they had to shift to e-commerce quite a bit. But so the business model for subscription boxes is you you have this huge following on Instagram or Facebook or, or whatever that I never put together because I didn't know because I didn't know Bunker Labs existed a year and a half before I did. Um, and then you put this product in front of them. And you source for a theme. Well, at least this is what I did. I sourced for a theme each month and got the, basically I just made up the products that I thought would be good with this theme. And then I went and searched for it. And, um, or I would see something, see a product that inspired me to do a theme. And then I would source all the products around it. Now, what I do now is more complicated because I have to limit myself to veteran and military spouse owned businesses. So the products that I ask them to do sometimes are completely custom um, because it's just something that has come up as a good product to fit a theme. And then I'll say, you know, you're a crafty person. Can you make 200 of these? So it was like that for Milso box too. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm listening. Oh, I'm okay. Listening. <laughs> okay. So, um, so anyway, you buy it in bulk at bulk pricing or, or volume discounts. And then you, you have to compile the costs of packaging and shipping. And one thing I learned is never, ever, ever include shipping because people do not think of shipping as an added value. If you have, your box for sale for $40. And then when they go to checkout, 
it's like $5 for shipping, they're going to buy it anyway and just pay $5 for shipping. But then they might see your product for $45 and free shipping. And they're like, 45 is too much. You know, it's the same, but it's in their mindset. But when I started, I was figuring everyone was like Amazon, right? Amazon's free shipping if you're doing Prime. I figured everybody was doing Prime by this point. So I should always do free shipping. And that really burned me in the end because, you, of course, the postal service increased prices and, you know, gas prices fluctuate and all kinds of stuff. So. Um, so if you would have done it differently, would you have not included, would you have just priced it up or would you have? Oh, not included shipping. Definitely not. Yeah. And I think I changed the model um, after a little while. And then when I sold it, I was like, definitely do not include shipping because they don't care. They just and don't. so for the subscription box, right? One of the things I love about podcasting is I get to think as we're like talking. Yeah. You know? And so it sounds like when I think of a subscription box too, you can probably generate, you, they make their revenue from customer lifetime value, right? Right. So you lock somebody in, then you know they're worth $240 or whatever it is that- yeah. You know, that's probably at the low end, but if they're $40 subscription boxes or higher, you know, you're getting that. But one of the things I think I noticed now is that subscription boxes are, they're kind of curating a lot of what they're sending their audiences based off of data. Yes. Yes. And we didn't have anything like that for, I say we, it was just me. Um, I didn't have anything like that because I didn't know that I needed to gather all this data. I did that later on with surveys and just interacting with customers and actually talking to my best customers on the phone. Um, but leading back to how the business structure actually works, uh, you touched on the lifetime of the customer. You know, you have it set up where the highest price box is when you get it only once a or you you sign up for one month and it is a recurring charge unless you cancel it. So it's automatically going to recharge you. Um, let's say you, you buy it for $50 because you're only doing one month. And then um, you have the option to do three months at a time at $45 per box. So you have that option to save some money. And then after three months are up, you get recharged for three more months and then it goes for six months like that. And then it goes a year like that. So like we, I had, I think a year subscription was like $370. And then after a year was up, somebody would get charged $370 again and be like, what the hell? You know, cause they didn't remember it was a year ago and uh, it works that model really works. It stinks for consumers if they forget, but for the business, it's nice because it's that who, recurring charge. Who was filling your products for you? Who was filling the boxes and getting them out? Me. Take, talk <laughs> us through one of your craziest days. Like, oh what, my one of those moments when, you know, you were like, what am I doing? Oh man. Um, well, I've talked to Kristen about this too. Kristen is the woman who bought Milso box and still does it today. She's, she's grown it, uh, which is great, but she does the fulfillment along with a few people that she brings in now. 
Um, the thing is you always want to ship on time. And she and I share this thing where if it's, if it's going to be delayed, it's like the end of the freaking world. Right. So I had a, a, I like to work with small businesses and I had one military spouse who was on the coast of North Carolina and she was doing t-shirts for this one box. And it was just a nightmare. It was like the three days before I had to ship and she still hadn't gotten me. She had, I think she had shipped like half of the shirts and my husband literally drove to the coast and back I think it was like 10 at night that he left and then got back at like three in the morning. And I went from like three in the morning until they picked up at seven or eight in the morning. Um, when the post office picked up, it was just insane trying to get it out. And it was all because one, one supplier was not on time. And I heard all these excuses, excuse after excuse. And I'm just like, okay, I'm a wife and a mom too but this is unacceptable. <laughs> you can't just give me excuses and then not do anything about it. Like I'm literally having somebody go to you and she wasn't even willing to like drive halfway, you know, anything like that. And I'm just the kind of person that will do whatever it takes to get the job done. And I just, when I, when I come across suppliers that aren't like that, they just come right off my list. So let's use this as a teachable moment for our listeners. What advice would you give to them with regards to working with outside vendors and suppliers? Add about two weeks, if you can, to the due dates for everything. And then if it's a week out and they still haven't, <laughs> go look for a backup. And I've never had, I don't think I've ever had to use a backup before, but I believe Kristen has. And it is the most frustrating thing to have to do um, because it's not what you had planned to begin with. And you know that the box is not beautifully curated exactly how you had planned. Yeah, I have, um, you know, I use outside vendors for my podcast services, mm -hmm. particularly like graphic designers at cover arts, but I always keep two or three, you know, so that way I know that if this one doesn't work out, I can go to this one. And if this back. one doesn't work out, I have, yeah. but I have a really good team. So thankfully, you know, I haven't had any major issues, but yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. Sure. What was the feeling like when you kind of bootstrapped this venture from the ground up? Right. And mm -hmm. we all have this vision of making it, you know, so <laughs> you get to at least a sale, right? Mm -hmm. You got duct tape on it, whatever you're like packaging and selling it. What was that experience like going through that? Did you feel like you had won where you felt relieved? I mean, talk through it, talk about us, talk to us about it. I felt, I felt like the whole thing was a huge failure because I had completely unrealistic expectations going into it. I, I knew that I had to have a certain number of subscriptions to meet a certain dollar amount so that I could quit my job. And the first month out, I think I did, uh, so the pre-launch was only six weeks long. And that was during my research period that was like ramping up to actually open a business. It was ridiculously short. It was just, I didn't know what I was doing. And so the first month of boxes, I had 11 boxes. That was it. 
that that's how many I was sending out. And I think half of them were influencers that I was sending out for free. So it was, it was definitely not fun. And I never actually got, so my idea of success is always monetary, which is funny because I'm not a monetary person. I don't care about money for the most part. Like I do things because I'm passionate about them and it brings people joy and it brings me joy to bring other people joy. That's why I do what I do. Um, but I think when I define success for myself, it has to be a certain number because I don't know if it's because I feel like everyone else is like that. Like it should be a number, but it's the most quantitative thing too. So on my other podcast, Confessions of a Native Son, I ran an episode where I talked about vanity metrics. Mm, and it's okay. like, we always create these vanity metrics that may or may not make sense for us. How many employees we have, you know, the size of our company, how much revenue we're doing. Mm -hmm. But it's a whole different ballgame. We actually talk to people that are there and they still don't feel like they made it, you know. So clearly mm -hmm. we're all chasing something different. But here's what I also tell you is I've been taking notes myself and I wrote about it today that you know, if we only look at the ROI on our ventures, the only ROI we're measuring is profit. We're limiting ourselves. Absolutely. Experience makes a huge difference. Oh my gosh. I, yeah. I would never take that experience back. I would not. I would not go to an MBA program and ex I would not exchange it for my real world experience. Not, not at all because I've been hands-on and I've, I like the hands-on versus the theory way more because you can take real world, real world instances and apply them. You've been through it. You don't have to wander, you know. And it's not just that too. I think it's also the fact of like, it gives us a lot of sense of purpose, particularly mm -hmm. when you transition out because so many veterans and military spouses, right? They're like, they're used to kind of having a mission. You know, mm -hmm. give me a team, give me a mission, and I'll go execute. You don't have a team. You don't have a mission. A lot of people just find themselves just kind of in the wild. That's what I call it. And so there's this, this the hero's journey is what entrepreneurship gives us the opportunity to do, you know, because you're not necessarily slaying a literal dragon, you know, but you are trying to bring this venture to life to prove to yourself that you can do it. And also prove that this is something that people want. And so you kind of get lost up in the experience. Or maybe you're trying to impact your local community, whether it's your physical community or a group like military spouses or veterans or whatever else. There's so many ways to look at the ROI on being an entrepreneur and launching a venture. Yeah, that's such a great point. There is such a huge connection that people feel when they're veterans with other veterans. And I think that um, the hero aspect of it you know, going into entrepreneurship, that explains a lot. That's what I was going to say is that's a really good point because I think a lot of us that go into the military have that hero complex. I know I do. I want to be a hero. I don't know why. I don't know why it's in me, but it's true. Like I always think about scenarios where I'm going to kick somebody's ass, you know, or like I'm going to be the person who saves somebody. Um, and, and that is very much like owning a business because it's you against the world. Basically, you have to rise above all that other noise to get heard and seen. And that's 
that's like slaying a dragon. Yep. <laughs> that's insurmountable a lot of times. So talk to us about this. After you kind of launch your venture, you sell it, you feeling kind of beat up because you feel like a failure. Mm -hmm. How did you get your confidence back as an entrepreneur to, and what led you to launching this next uh, venture? Well, who said I got my confidence back? I never had it in the first place. And I still have a hard time with it. Um, one of the one of the vulnerable points, and you had mentioned um, having imposter syndrome. I have imposter syndrome so badly. Like if I go, if I go to a conference or anything like that, I get intimidated really, really easily. And you can't tell because I grew up on stage acting. And so I just pretend like everything's cool. And then I go off and cry in a corner. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't really, but, um, but imposter syndrome is definitely a huge thing. So confidence, confidence is always a struggle. Um, but the way I got into gifting with Valor was actually the year before I sold Milso box, I had a, a veteran entertainment and events company come to me and say, you know, we're about to do this really cool yacht party and we'd love for all of our guests to receive a gift box. And I think that was like a hundred or 150 and it all had to be branded for that company. And I figured, why not? So I did that and realized that working with working business to business was a lot more fun than working business to consumer. So I, I went that route. The margins were better. You, you know, you make a deal with a corporation or you make a deal with an organization and you sell in bulk versus buying in bulk to distribute to all these customers like you do in subscription box businesses. You have to sell every single one of those customers. I only have to sell one customer and then they send these gifts to all of their people. That's a way better way for me to work. And um, so I took that and ran with it. And since it was such a different target market, I had to create a new entity um, unfortunately I didn't do that to begin with. So separating the two was a nightmare. So that's a lesson learned. Um, so you had it running through your personal account? No, no, not my personal through Milso box. Got it. So you had this B2B kind of mm -hmm. different situation going on and you mm -hmm. ran it through Milso box, but you had already sold Milso box. No, I hadn't sold it yet. So, so I had Milso box and I added, <laughs> I added gifting with Valor as a division, which I was told later, like your company's way too small. You can't have a division. Come on now. Um, but that's kind of how I posed it to people. And then once I decided to sell Milso box, I had to separate the two. And that was a nightmare, especially with Google. Don't ever try to change the way Google is set up. It's uh, like Facebook. Yeah, so the issue was rebranding, going through that process. Well, it wasn't only rebranding. It was ownership of all the documents and all of the accounts. Um, because when I sold it, I had to transfer everything to Kristen. And I had to separate out all the gifting with Valor stuff to keep for myself. And so it was 
she'll, she could tell you it's, it was a nightmare. Um, I tried to leave her alone as much as possible so that she could feel ownership of Milso box after I sold it. But we were emailing and calling each other like, Hey, do you have this login? Because this is happening. And it was, it was not fun. Let's uh, I want to use another teachable moment. Okay. Because we reference B2C, which stands for business to consumer. And we reference B2B, which is business to business. Now, I want to, you know, part of me wants to assume that you all understand the difference, right? But also, I'm a grunt, and I know sometimes that, hey, you know, we got to break things down Barney style. So, Lindsay, can you talk to us a little bit about that B2C versus B2B play again? Oh, sure. So, I absolutely hate social media. Like, I, I just don't do it, really. Um, but when you're marketing to from your business to a consumer, that means just Joe public, just any person on the street um, within your target market, of course. And you reach them through social media mostly. And you have to raise your voice above everyone else's. And it's such a competitive landscape. And then uh, for me, the margins were so small, but I, I know that varies for for different uh, businesses. But then when you go from business to consumer to business to business, then you're talking about emails and phone calls and networking. And that is a whole different beast. Um, networking, it turns out I'm really good at. I didn't know that. But it, it turns out that it's pretty easy for me to do. And so for the first two and a half years of gifting with Valor, I did everything on word of mouth. That's the only way I did it. And it was only recently that I had to get on social media for gifting with Valor just to have authenticity or not authenticity, but um, what's the word? Um, legitimacy. You know, if you don't have an Instagram or you don't have a Facebook page, it's almost like you're not real. Um, so we had to go ahead and make those. But really, the way that I find clients is LinkedIn. That's it. And, um, and just networking through that. So there's a it's totally different going B2B versus B2C. And one of the things I want to say for our listeners is, especially when you're first starting out, right? The biggest difference is volume. So for B2C, um, unless you have really, really high margins for a product, like a, a, a package product of some sort or a service, you got to sell a lot of it. You know, mm -hmm. particularly if you have like a, would you consider your CBG consumer package goods? I've never used that acronym before in my life. Right. Well, we'll, we'll say it's a, <laughs> yeah. She had to sell a lot of products versus, you know, getting a big contract with a company, being able to sell 150 off the bat, yeah. you know, maybe you get a line of credit, right? There's a lot of opportunity. So, you know, there's people have their own philosophies on which route to go when you're starting out. Just understand that, again, both are going to have their pros and cons, but it is a different environment when you go B2B versus B2C. Mm -hmm. You just got to figure out what works best for you. And for me, my default is always what's the fastest route to profitability? If you're a bootstrapped entrepreneur. Definitely. So, Lindsay, at what point were you able to work on uh, Gifted with Valor full time? Full time has only been 
about two months. Congratulations. Thank you. Air high five. And today is actually the third anniversary of, of gifting with valor. Um, so I started working on it full time two months ago when I left my husband, to be honest. Um, he, I've had to support myself and this is how I've had to do it. Uh, before then, before then I was basically a stay at home mom who did business on the side. And now I can't do that anymore. So I had to ramp it up and go all the way in. Love it. And, yeah. uh, you know, kudos to you for taking that leap to focus on it full time. Thank How you. big is your team? Right now, it's just three of us. Um, it's me and then Kristen, who is uh, the owner of Box. She's now my creative director. And then I've got a woman named Britt, who is my social media manager. So when you think about the future, right, we like to use this term BHAG from Jim mm-hmm. Collins, good to great. What's your big, hairy, audacious goal? We'd like to be the American corporate gifting company. When you think of American gifting, we want it to be us. So, so corporate gifting is that companies are sending out swag bags. Yes. And that if it's a they want a veteran swag bag, they're going through your company. That's right. If they wanted to be patriotic, they come to us. And what plans do you have to, to start moving you towards that direction? Oh, you put me in the hot seat. Okay. So tomorrow I'm pitching to 70 major corporations. So that's one of the <laughs> one of the big leaps is I'm taking all of the pitch opportunities that I can. Um, if there's an incubator available, I'm doing it. I got certified as a, a woman business enterprise through WeBank, through Women Business Enterprise National Council. And I'm about to get certified through, uh, well, I'm going to, be certified as a veteran-owned business as well, which I haven't done, even though it's, I don't know, that certification is kind of not as essential as the women-owned business. Um, Let's see. I started working with a coach, as you know, because we have the same guy. And I think that's going to- Bill Watkins? Bill. So I just got that scholarship for- the onward initiative. So I'm in that cohort and I'm super excited about that. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Thank you. And then what else are we doing? Got so and much. for our listeners that are tuning in, the onward initiative is a, what's being offered by my business coaches organization, the lion's pride, where they're doing a one for one. So for uh, all new members within the lion's pride, they're gifting uh, a membership to a uh, veteran or military spouse that is, um, how do I describe it? You know, they're giving them scholarships, basically. Given, you know, given I mean, scholarships for, for companies that are not making enough to afford to coach. And right. And it's really just a gracious gesture by the coach. It does not need to be there at all. It's just him being very gracious with his, with his funding. Um, yeah. And y'all yeah. can check out Bill's episode. It was a how to 10 X your business. Highly encourage y'all to check that out. Um, it's a, it's a good one. I listened to that. And I also listened to uh, um, the one about failing forward too. Yeah. Yeah. Jameson. Jameson. I just listened to that coach. today. That was good. Um, yeah. I'm telling y'all, we're putting out a lot of good content, trying to accelerate you all out there. So you know um, that you're not going at it alone. 
and that you're only mm -hmm. facing what other men and women in your shoes have, have met. Mm -hmm. Another thing that, that I did was I became a board member on the North Carolina Veterans Business Association. So that's putting me in front of local businesses and connecting me with other veterans in business in North Carolina. So that's been really great so far. And it's only been a few weeks that I've been uh, selected for that. So that's really exciting. So let me ask you this, Lindsay. We've got veteran entrepreneurs and military spouses tuning in from all over the country, all over the world. And what advice do you have for them as they continue on their entrepreneurial journey? And then second, how can we as a community here at The Bunker help support you on your own journey? I would say you have to follow your passion before anything else. If you don't have a passion for it, then you're not going to be successful, at least not successful in the ways that matter. It's not going to matter to you as much um, unless it's all about money for you. But that's I, I don't know anyone that goes after money and is happy with the result. Um, and then the way they can support me is to spread the word about gifting with valor. Uh, like I said, we're on Instagram now. So following on Instagram would be great. Um, Facebook as well. And just to share what we do, because we just try to create and foster meaningful connections. And I think that's why we're here on earth. And we need to do more of it. Y'all heard it from her. If you guys know any companies out there that are looking to do some corporate giving, and are looking for some curated uh, veteran businesses to include in that, reach out to Lindsay and Gifting with Valor. She's got a great business, great model, and uh, let's support those within our own uh, ecosystem as entrepreneurs. So, Lindsay, again, it was a pleasure having you here today. For everyone that's tuning in, do me a favor and make sure you subscribe to the Transition Podcast and newsletter on Substack at the link in the show notes. I release a newsletter every Tuesday and a podcast every Friday. You, so you can leave a comment about each episode on Substack. And if you have any questions about your own venture, post that as well. I'm always looking for content and I would love to, to learn what you all are struggling with in your own ventures. If you want to get plugged into the Bunker Lab ecosystem, make sure you visit www.bunkerlabs.org, select the city nearest you and sign up for that local newsletter. From there, attend one of our networking events. It's that simple. We have programs that'll take you from idea to invoice, incubate you, and position you to grow alongside other founders and CEOs. Make sure you check out at bunkerlabs.org. Lindsay, thanks again for being with us and for everyone that's tuning in. Until next time, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week. <laughs>